What's good, people? CJ Williams tapping in for the culture. For this list, we will be ranking the 19 albums from Rockefeller Records, minus Jay-Z and Kanye. Why? Because they have their own solo list, and adding them would have made this video an hour long. Also, no DJ compilations or soundtracks. We'll save those for a separate list. And without further ado, let's get into it. Number 19, Young Guns, Brothers from Another. The sophomore album from Philadelphia group Young Guns had all the makings of a solid follow-up. Their debut album was Fire, they had standout appearances on both State Property albums, and the same man who laced said debut, Chad West, was back taking on production duties, this time with help from Kanye, Swiss Beats, and Bangladesh. So what could go wrong? If you guessed damn near everything, you'd be correct. Let's get the good out of the way first. Um, the way it goes, that's okay. Same for It's the Life. Oh, and one of Swiss's joints beef, that was cool. And that's it for the positives. I mean, what a difference a year makes. Brothers from another reeks of a rush job as Don't Keep Me Waiting with 112 was a knockoff, no better love, and Don't Stop wanted to be Can't Stop, Won't Stop part two, but failed miserably. Outside of a Kanye classic, 2005 was a rough year for Rockefeller releases, so maybe the writing was on the wall for the end and the vibes were just off. That's the only thing we could come up with for this major disappointment from a group with so much potential. Number 18, Rockefeller Records presents Tierra Marie. Several years before 50 Cent was tracking her down for money owed, Tierra Marie was billed as the princess of the ROC. Only 17 years old when she released her debut, it appeared the table was set up for her nicely to win. Peep the producer writer list. Sean Garrett, Ronnie Jerkins, Cool and Dre, and Brian Michael Cox? Unfortunately, fans didn't receive the album well and it did poor commercially. In hindsight, maybe a label mate feature or two would have helped. We get the idea they were going for an Ashanti murder Inc. vibe, but they forgot a vital step in the process, the rollout. Ashanti was featured on several radio hits first, recorded a sure shot debut single, then released her project. You never really got the vibe Marie was a part of the Rockefeller camp like that. Despite poor sales, she began recording her sophomore effort the following year. That is until production was stopped halfway through finishing it. Then she was called right before her high school graduation to be told she'd been dropped from the label. Ouch. Number 17, Christian. Ghetto Serrano. Duo Christian was one of only two R&B acts on the rock, dropping their lone album in 1997. After their single Full of Smoke caught fire on the West Coast, Dame Dash got his hands on the demo and signed the group immediately. Members Kenny Ski and Alan Anthony would actually drop a solid collection of joints with standouts like the aforementioned Full of Smoke, the Rolls Royce remake I Wanna Get Next to You, and the catchy Aftermath. Unfortunately, the album would go double wood, topping out at 146 on the Billboard 200. Blame it on Miss Man management by the label or a crowded 90s R&B landscape, but either way, this would go down as one of the more underrated R&B albums of the times. If you're into Maxwell or Eric Benet from back in the day and missed out, hey, give this one a spin. It's on streaming sites and it's honestly not that bad. Number 16, Memphis Bleak 534. Remember what we said about the 2005 Rockefeller struggle bus? Let us present Exhibit B. When the best song on your album doesn't feature you, that's never a good sign. Bleak's final album on the label, 534, an ode to the Marcy Project's building where he and Hove grew up was an unceremonious exit from The Rock. Despite having more than capable producers on deck, Bleak continued his strike against picking good beats, delivering the worst of his four outings. Wiz, Bink, and Chad Hamilton gifted him mostly throwaways, with only a handful of songs worth revisiting. Thankfully, Ninth Wonder and Just Blaze looked out on joints like All Right, Straight Path, and the title track. There was also a song for the ladies, Infatuated, which admittedly was pretty catchy. Of course, the standout would be Jay-Z's 
Blaze's first solo record since his retirement in 2003, Dear Summer. The Just Blaze produced classic sees the GOAT going nuts over top a soulful sample loop that single-handedly kept buyers from demanding a refund from their local Sam Goody. Oh, and did you know this album housed the very first Rihanna feature ever? Didn't think so. Major fumble. Number 15, Emil, All Money Is Legal. Another one and done effort makes our list toward the bottom with the first lady of Rockefeller Emil's debut, All Money Is Legal. First introduced to the world on Jay's Can I Get Her off volume two, Emil would feature on a handful of rock joints leading up to her August 2000 LP. One would think putting her on a hit record, tapping Beyonce for the lead single, and securing a commercial placement with a huge company like Sprite. Another young, watch your back. My latest got lyrics, you heard me? would be enough to boost her career to the top of the charts. Well, not so fast. Her guest appearances weren't memorable, a Beyonce feature didn't have the same cachet then as it does now, and the album itself was average at best. Now, it did have a few solid records like That's Right with Hove, Quarles featuring Carl Thomas, and the posse cut banger for the fam, all warranting legit repeat plays. You can throw in two or three more solid solo joints, but there just wasn't anything spectacular about Emil's skills that would make the project stand out. Considered by many as one of of the rock's biggest L's, even Jay himself had to defend it on the Breakfast Club a few years back. What was your worst signing at Rockefeller? Didn't uh, Mill. Rockefeller. <clears throat> I'm sorry. That's no, no, no. No, I don't want to say Mill. Mill album, you should listen to it. It wasn't that I did. bad. You, it's good. Uh, good is a stretch, but we will say it's a little overhated. Number 14, Memphis Bleak, The Understanding. The Better Than You Remember second album from the MEMPH Man was the last release of 2000, and although a downgrade from the debut was still solid, the Gold Project housed some fire joints like the 420 Friendly I Get High, Bouncy They'll Never Play Me, and Reflective In My Life. The biggest records though would come via a pair of remixes in My Mind Right and Is That Your Chick. The former would feature Jay-Z sending not so subtle shots at Mace and his Harlem World crew. Funny because the original version of the song, featured on the backstage soundtrack, saw Bleak flying solo, throwing perceived shots at Godson's Nas. Then on the Timberland produced classic Is That Your Chick, Jay-Z goes crazy on what is strongly believed to be more darts aimed at Nas. So once again, Big Bro steals the spotlight on a bleak project, but still there are more than serviceable records on here to enjoy. Actually, the distance between this and his third project is marginal. Speaking of, Number 13, Memphis Bleak, Made. Money, Attitude, Direction, and Education is the backronym for the title of Bleak's third release, Made. Producers Just Blaze, Scott Storch, and Kanye West make up more than half of the album's 17-track production, and the album boasts features from rock members Beanie Siegel, Young Chris, Freeway, and of course, Jay-Z, who makes four appearances. Also, Bleak expanded his reach to the South with the Trick Daddy and T.I. featured Round Here, as well as to the West with Nate Dogg on Hook Duty, Need Me In Your Life. Well, only one of those songs worked as round here slapped but the Nate Dogg joint was a miss. Also for every banger Just Blaze contributed to songs like Round Here or Hypnotic, there's head scratchingly bad beats like War and Hell No. Then the Kanye record is just okay and not exactly to the level of what he was cooking for Hove. With all that working against it, there's still more to like than dislike. Murder Murder, Just Blaze, Bleak and Free, and We Ballin' are good records no matter who the artist. The standout is Understand Me Still with Rockefeller crooner Rail body in the soulful hook as Bleak shows himself love for his rags to riches story. Another slightly above average project from Bleak that is worth revisiting if you skipped out on it in 03. Number 12, Beanie Siegel, The Solution. 
After a brief split from the diamond, Beanie returned with his serviceable fourth LP, The Solution. A few familiar faces return in the form of PD Crack and even Jay-Z, but the rock roster is largely absent as the glory days had since passed. Thankfully, dependable acts like Styles P and Scarface pick up the slack in the features department. Their records, You Ain't Ready For Me and Rain, both deliver with the latter also featuring Raheem Devon on the hook. Radio Raheem was also called upon for vocals on the final record, Prayer, in which he again laced beans with a banger. While these records work, the same can't be said for Shake It For Me with misplaced Diddy and Ghostface features. We also need to discuss this Hove appearance. The record gutted is okay, but the bar is so high for these two, we need more than just average. Plus, we question how invested Jay was in the studio, because this is easily a bottom five Jay feature. Thankfully, you have enough quality solo records like The Game Spinning I'm In or HHEH to balance out the missteps. Even without help from Just Blaze or Kanye for the first time, if this drop slid under your radar, run it back, especially those last couple of records. Number 11, Freeway, Free At Last. Taking a four-year break in between albums, Freeway's follow-up, while not as strong as his debut, was still an overall very nice body of work. For those wondering what took so long, you can thank The Rock crumbling for that, as Free was quoted as saying the label breakup took a toll on him. Well, with the help of G-Unit head Honcho 50 Cent, he finally released it late 07. Well worth the wait, Free showed the debut was no fluke. No big singles to speak of here, the J-featured Rockefeller Billionaire single didn't have the same impact as what we do, but was more than serviceable. Speaking of features, Free damn near batted a thousand on here with memorable contributions from Scarface, Jada Kiss, Busta Rhymes, and 50 Cent, with only a young Rick Ross delivering the lone mid feature. That record, along with a few others, may be skips, but nothing here is egregiously trash. Records like this can't be life with the undefeated Marsha Ambrosius and the bink produced when they remember make you forget about those missteps. Salute to Free for delivering not once but twice on the rock, having what not too many can claim, which is two banging Rockefeller albums. Think about it outside of Jay, Kanye, and Beans, who else had two fire rock albums? Gotta give it to him. Number 10, Jada Kiss, The Last Kiss. The last rapper not named Jay-Z or Kanye to drop on the label, Jada signed a one record deal and delivered a banger of an album his third time out. The album originally titled Kiss My Ass has a runtime of over an hour, so yes, there are moments not worth our attention, like rare misses from the Neptunes on Stressia and Mary J on Grind Hard, but overall the project works. The bars are there, obviously it's Jada, one of the nicest of all time, but he did call in for reinforcements like Nas on the unofficial sequel to his hit Why titled What If, as well as Pharrell on Rockin' with the Best, and OG Wu members Ghostface and Raekwon on Cartel Gathering. A vet in the game, Kiss could have sat back and relied on those features and rolled the album on cruise control, but he did quite the opposite. Solo joints slap like the opening track Pain and Torture, Can't Stop Me, and the Luther sampling Things I've Been Through. Add to that perfectly placed vocals by Faith Evans on the touching Biggie tribute letter to B.I.G., and in the end you have a sleeper Kiss album that honestly should be talked about more than it is. Number 9, Memphis Bleak, The Coming of Age. By the time August 1999 came around, Bleak's mentor Jay-Z had dropped three projects and now it was time for The Apprentice to step up front and center. How did the self-proclaimed Prince of New Yiddy do? Better than many would like to give credit for actually. We know, we know, it's not cool to say Memphis Bleak has a good project, but we hate to break it to you. He does. His debut, while not enough to get him out of the shadow of his OG, was still a highly underrated debut of the late 90s. Hard production on joints like You A 
Thug Nigga, Everybody, and Murder for Life featuring Ja hold the album down to make up for whatever shortcomings Bleak has as a lyricist. Not that he was whack per se, but he didn't really do or say anything that stood out. Also, speaking of Ja, he released his Slept On debut a few months prior the same year, and these two have similar vibes. A closer look at the credits and you'll see Murder Inc. Captain Irv Gotti contributed three joints and we're sure had his fingerprints on more. In the end, you get some of Bleak's best material in Stayin' Alive in NYC and Regular Cat, and he didn't have to rely on multiple J features as he's only on one record. So while his career didn't come close to Hov's, this album was one to hang his hat on, right next to its gold plaque. Number eight, Beanie Siegel, The Truth. In a record label as storied as Rockefeller, you're bound to have misses, classics, and the underrated project, as well as the overrated. Beanie's debut, Wildfire, is evidenced by its placement, is slightly overvalued. But don't get it twisted, there are some very strong records on here like Ride For My, Die, and the title track. Beans and Faces chemistry gets off to a strong start with Mac and Brad, but we all know the standout record is easily what your life like. Close your eyes while listening and you think you were in an episode of HBO's Oz. Beans spits his heart out about life behind bars over a menacing track laced by Robert Shims Kirkland. So what would constitute us calling this overrated? Have you heard Mac-Man? No, the song is a horrible and Beans does his best lyrically over the Pac-Man flip, but if we're keeping it a band, that's a skip. Then there's the two J featured joints. Player is a complete miss and Raw and Uncut pales in comparison to much better collabs like It's On, Think It's a Game, or Freeze What We Do. So while the highs are indeed up there, it's the lows that bring it down a little longer than it needs to be. Still, the moment isn't ruined and is a very enjoyable album but there's a few more rock members who had better debuts. For example, number seven, Young Guns, Tough Love. One of the more surprising rock albums had to come in the debut of Philly group Young Guns, Tough Love. Sure, they had been featured prominently on both the state property projects before, but we don't think many saw this coming. Out of the gate with Future of the Rock, Rock You, and the lead single No Better Love featuring the criminally slept on single Rail, it was clear the next chapter of the label was in good hands. The bangers didn't stop there either. Potent B-sides like North of Death, Take It How You Want with Omilio and Life We Chose warranted multiple playbacks. However, it was the title track that was hands down the standout. One of the purest songs about brotherhood in hip hop history, you probably remember when you first heard this. Young Chris calling out his rhyme partner for what he perceived as slacking off, then Neef taking the criticism, owning up to his part in it, and vowing to get back on track. Man, if you can't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Although the album would find some commercial success, scoring the duo a gold plaque, it would not be that well received by critics. Unbelievably, Pitchfork gave it a 4.1 out of 10. How is that even possible with the J feature Never Take Me Alive and the aforementioned Tough Love record? If those are the only two good songs on here, they so fire the album couldn't be lower than a six. You know what, we would love to speak to the reviewers of some of these outrageous scores to get the scoop on why they gave such low ratings. Were they having a bad day? Did their girl just leave them? Did Jay diss Pitchfork or something? We don't get it and we need answers. Shout out to the Gunners, man, this album was fire. Number six, Joel Santana, From Me To You. The second member to drop out of the Dipset camp, Joel Santana released a fun, mid-2000s time capsule worthy project in From Me To You. Before he and Wayne forged a friendship, the babyface Big Apple rapper was the youngest out of the Dipset camp. Now us calling this a time capsule could be looked at one of two ways. On the positive side, listening to it likely brings back fond memories of simpler times for most of us, but on the negative side, the bar sounds slightly dated 20 years later. With that being said, the album's quality was still on point when it dropped, especially for a cat barely old enough to drink. The majority of the production was handled by Diplomat's go-to beat makers, the Heat Makers. Chopped up soul samples galore, if you weren't a fan of that sound, you may scoff at the placement of this album. But even the biggest Dipset hater has to admit the album was hot at the time. 
time. Joints like One Day I Smile, My Problem, How I Feel, and Why All Went Hard. Now, can the samples get repetitive at times? Sure. Could Joel's be labeled lazy when he rhymes the same word for several bars consecutively? We can see that. But relax, throw on dips at Santana's Town, or okay, okay in the whip, drop the top and just enjoy the breeze with the good vibes blasting through your speakers. To be fair, it's certainly not a flawless album. The skits serve no purpose, and we're not sure whose idea was to add the TI feature now what on the album, but they need to be fired. Thankfully, this is for my homies with Jim Jones close the album out on a high note, erasing the TI record out of our memories. Wonder if Pitchfork hated on this album too. Oh my god. 3.2 out of 10? Oh, so they just hated Rockefeller as a whole. Okay, got it. Moving right along. A few albums that won't make the list that you may have thought dropped on The Rock but didn't include singers Rail The Remedy and Denim's self-titled album. Rail was supposed to drop in 01, but unfortunately the album was shelved, which is too bad because he was dope and the album was good as well. You can check it out on YouTube if you've never heard it. Same for Denim, who most notably laced Young Guns on their standout track Tough Love, as well as their Life We Chose record. Her rock album was shelved as well and is also available on YouTube. Additionally, she still makes music just under another name. You heard of Lakili 47? She's the mysterious artist who hides her face behind bandanas in public. Well, that's denim. Lastly, two albums that did release just not on The Rock were Twista's Kamikaze and Beanie's Becoming. Twista was an unofficial member of The Rock in the early to mid-2000s, but never signed any paperwork, so his Kamikaze album, originally on deck for a rock release, dropped under Atlantic Records. Bean's third album, The Becoming, was the lone release under the Dame Dash Music Group imprint. If they were on this list, where would you have Beans and Twista's albums placed? Both slap if we're being honest. One day we'll have a Twister and Bean solo list so they'll get their proper shine. Don't worry about that. On to the top five. Number five, Beanie Siegel, The Reason. Remember when you copped this CD, slid it in the whip, and this was the first thing you heard? Yo, I'm 10 steps ahead of niggas. That shit's scary. Old Kanye was in his bag on that one. The same can be said for Just Blaze, who along with Ye produced more than half of the album. Even with Beans being as nice as he is, the production is truly the standout. Bookended by bangers, the opening and closing of this album is fantastic. Nothing Like It and the single Beanie kicked the album off with three classic records to close it out in Mom's Praying with Scarface. Rail remained undefeated on Hook Duty with Still Got Love For You featuring Jay-Z. And lastly, What Your Life Like Too. Fam, we not even gonna hold you. He should have kept that series going. There's no reason we shouldn't have What's Your Life Like 3, 4, 5, and 6. Arguably one of, if not the nicest lyricists on The Rock, as Jay-Z included, Beans has a way with words as he spits his heart out over every track. Well, damn, CJ, you speak so highly of this album. Why is it in fifth place? Well, 5 out of 19 ain't bad, first off. And second, everything on here doesn't work. The album stumbles in the middle with boring West Coast vibes on I Don't Do Much, the Das featured for my niggas doesn't fit, and Watch Your Bitch is another skip. That's three misses in a row that feel like more because they are consecutive. Outside of that, the album is on point. Is it the best Beanie project? Eh, that's to be determined when we do his solo list, but best believe it's up there. Number four, Freeway, Philadelphia Freeway. Going from people asking, yo, who is dude on 1900 Hustler with the weird voice? He kind of snapped, to then asking for a beat in the infamous Cassidy Freestyle Battle L, many didn't know what to expect from the Philly Spitter's first album. Like he did his thing on a Dynasty joint, but can I listen to a whole album of that? Yes, yes you can and you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. Out of the gate, the opening track Free let us know we were in for a treat. Follow that up with the hood classic What We Do, All My Life with Nate Dogg, and the high energy 
flip side featuring fellow Philadelphia artist Petey Kratz. Now the album is fairly feature heavy, which helps balance out his sound, which can be an acquired taste for some, but it doesn't distract. The production is superb thanks to heavy Just Blaze input, a few by Kanye and Bink as well. A street artist at his core, Free found a great way to balance subject matter with introspective looks at the hood on You Don't Know and uplifting records like All Right featuring one half of the group Christian, Alan Anthony. One of the brightest highlights came late in the game with the last record here, the song. Produced by Ye, Free recalls his baby mama that gave him nothing but drama, his friend that's incarcerated, unable to share in the success of his debut, and the best verse about his old teacher, Miss Lee, that doubted him from day one. It's joints like those that planted firmly in the top five. Hell, if it wasn't for a few bland records like the Nelly featured on my own and the Snoop assisted we get around, this would have made a strong case for top three. Number three, Cameron, Purple Haze. Yeah, we know Purple Haze is a fan favorite and Purple Haze is a fan favorite and one that many consider Cam's best. However, there are two rock albums and spoiler alert, one Cam project that's better. That's not to take away from this 24 track flame fest of an album as there's plenty to like. Starting with the intro with Flip's Ja Rule's Dial In For Murder to the Kanye feature Down It Out, you won't skip a song until track 10's Miss Girls. Actually, when he tries to talk to the ladies on here is where he goes wrong. As Hey Lady with Freaky Zeke and Shake featuring J.R. Ryder are two of the worst records on here. Now you will, however, find yourself skipping skits though. Lots of them. Not sure why Cam insists on adding double digit skits to projects, but at least most of them are on their own tracks, making them easy to ignore. Which makes the path quicker to get to bangers like Get em Girls, Harlem Streets, Family Ties, and the classic Dipset Forever. If by chance you're new to the channel, we have the perfect list for you to check out after this. Killer Cam's albums ranked, but be patient. We're almost done with this one. Number two, The Diplomats, Diplomatic Immunity. Cam and crew made the best of their one release on Rockefeller with the double disc classic Diplomatic Immunity. Writing the wave of a hot mixtape run and Cam's successful solo drop on the label, Dipset was at its peak popularity March of 03 when this was released. Let's tackle disc one first, shall we? While we respect Cam for putting his people on, kicking the album off with Uncasa, man, that was bold. Especially a song that featured a throwaway Kanye beat. With all due respect to Uncasa, we're thankful that this was his one and only feature on the album. Although that Purple City has some shit on it. Back to the dips though, things escalate quickly from there with the Jewel solo Who Am I, guitar laced Ground Zero, and the OJ sampling crowd favorite real niggas. Cam's verse on that? Things close out with the staple Dipset Anthem and another homie plug with Hell Rail Freestyle, which he did lace by the way. But it's this two that houses the heat, no pun intended, as this basically served as the heat maker's breakout party. The duo is responsible for seven of the 12 tracks and they are some of the dopest records on the project. I Love You, Purple Haze, DJ Enough Freestyle, and I'm Ready, I'm Ready? Come on now. Regarding that song, yes, Cam had the most memorable bar with Live pizza, pizza, eating a piece of pizza. You can't be where I be, dog. You need a visa. Which was a hotline. Let's be clear. But if we're being completely honest, Jim Jones stole the record with what might be his best verse ever. And how can we forget Dips at Essentials like I Really Mean It and What's Really Good? Aside from the Dips' addiction to skits, the album is easily a top five double album ever. Well, we'll save that discussion for another list. Number one, Cameron, come home with me. Damn, CJ, y'all really put three Diplomat albums in the top three spots? Yep, right where they belong. The best Cameron album, spoiler alert to our killer albums rank list, the best non-J and Ye album the label has ever released. A hip hop free agent at the time, Dame recruited Cam to the label in 01 and turned in a classic the following year. The most focused Cam bars can be heard over top tier Just Blaze, Ty Fife, and Kanye production. Just check out joints like Losing Weight Part 
part two, the rock or the title track for reference. Making sure his team ate good on the album, Joel's can be heard on six records, Freaky Zeke on three, and Jimmy Jones on two. Side note about those Jones bars though. Is it us or is it pretty obvious that Cam wrote those? Okay, maybe it's just us. Commercially successful thanks to catalog staples, Oh Boy and Hey Ma. This was the one and only solo platinum plaque for Cam as Jay reminded us back in 06. Selling low tools only time you went platinum. My chain was on your neck, that's an actual fact. The success of the album would open opportunities for other dip releases like Jewel's and the Double Disc group effort. We can't leave this review without touching on the one and only Killer and Hove collab, Welcome to New York City. Produced by Just Blaze, who also provided the vocals on the hook. So no, that's not a sample, that's Blaze himself. Very dope. The song is a classic with the two titans trading bars like they didn't secretly hate each other. It's a shame we didn't get another song from the two. And if you'd like to see more pinpoint accurate lists like this one, hit the like button first, then subscribe, and check out some of our favorites like these. Until then, it's your man CJ Williams clocking out for the culture.